You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin, Phil Brylo from PBA.com. As all the extra frame coverage, you hear him pretty much on every single broadcast. Is that pretty much it? It's pretty much it. Pretty yeah. much every single broadcast now. So let's see. Mike Jakubowski left, and then you brought in Van McNeil for a few shows, former host of uh, this show. Yeah, right? Van uh, helped us out at World Series of Bowling recently. So, And then who else uh, hops in there with you besides uh, Van? Uh, Jeff Goodger, who's out of Grand Rapids, He's Michigan. been there for a he's while. He's been there for a while. Yep. And then uh, Craig Elliott, who helps us out on occasion. I don't think I've we, heard him before. Yeah, he's uh, he used to be from Michigan. He moved just recently moved to San Antonio, Texas with his wife. Oh. And uh, he's stationed out of there now. So Craig and, uh, Craig and Van covered a lot of the qualifying at uh, World Series of Bowling. Yeah, that's a tough one. Had. Go out to Vegas. That's, that's a tough game. Oh, no, Reno, Reno. Well, they, oh, sorry, yeah. Vegas. I meant Nevada. Yeah, you're right, Reno, yes. <laughs> and the guy you're forgetting, Marshall Holman, at least for U.S. Open, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and he helped us out during match play at the uh, World Series of Bowling as yeah. well. So heard, heard the call during the week. He's probably more entertaining off than he is on. Oh, Definitely. wow. Well, he's pretty entertaining both ways, but I, he's got some stories that, yeah. yeah. I love Marshall Holman on TV and so forth, but mm-hmm. I've also heard stories of Marshall Holman off mic, too, that are very, very entertaining. Yeah. I made a comment to one of my customers who always listens to the show, Greg, and I said, he's the Tony, Tony Romo of bowling. Oh, no. You wouldn't agree with that? No. I, I, go ahead. No. Lay out your argument. I want to hear what it is. Go ahead. I, I, well, the insights, like what Romo does. Oh, from the, I thought you meant it in a career, as a career. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> heck no. Well, I mean, everyone talks about a great job Romo does on the air. No, I, you're saying the TV. You're not TV, saying career right. versus career. Oh, no, you're no, not no. saying bowling career versus TV. No, football. right. Okay. I'm talking about okay. commentators. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. I thought you were you comparing get, careers. You get anyone ever say that to you, Phil? That he's like the Tony Romo. No, bowling? I haven't anybody say that to me yet. Huh? The, the, Greg and I both had a good, good laugh over it. With, re- with all due respect, to your analysis of broadcasters. <laughs> Tony Romo is a Marshall Holman of broadcasters. Marshall Holman's been doing it a lot longer than Tony Romo. Tony Romo just started. Yes. So if anything, Tony Romo is ripping off Marshall Holman's gig and what Marshall Holman does. True. I'm just being sarcastic. But, uh, yeah. I'd but agree. I mean, that's, 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 I like his insight. That's the biggest thing I like with Holman is his I insight. I love Holman. I, I, I absolutely love Holman. <laughs> I would take Holman over Peterson any day of the week if given the option. But you think Peterson's funny. Oh, I, he has yeah. uh, he, he a has comic side humor. that... You like his sense of humor. Up to, yeah. yeah, but I mean, Phil, what's it like working with him? Well, it's it's a little different pace with extra frame most of the time because if we're covering match play rounds and that type of thing, they both get a little more time to talk and give some insight. Where when we're on, you know, ESPN or CBS Sports Network, you know, they have to stay very, you know, on time into what's going on between frames. Just you know, we get a little more in depth sometimes with the coverage because there's going we're covering two or three different matches and. 
it's it's pretty neat that way. They both have their unique insights to the game. You know, Randy's very much still in with the modern game, has kept up with things. He was very competitive till a couple of years ago, even on the PBA 50 tour. Right. Where Marshall, once he got done with his playing career in the in the late 90s, was kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. But he still keeps up with what's going on in the sport. And, and he's even trying, you know, he was asking us some questions off the air with, you know, why are these guys trying to do this and, and keep up with the equipment? And Marshall goes, okay, it makes sense. And he just instantly relate that during the extra frame telecast. So, And then to also to clear it, because uh, people ask me at the shop, and I'm, this is the answer I give. So if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But uh, everyone asked during the U.S. Open, where was Randy Peterson? And he's contracted with ESPN, correct? And that was on CBS Sports Network? That and also the U.S. Open is run by the USBC and the Bowling Prize Association of America. So it's their personnel that they pick to be on the CBS Sports Network telecast. And they chose Marshall Holman to be the the color analyst on that particular show. So they could have chose Randy. They could have chose Randy if they wanted to. Because Randy, when we had the, the main event PBA finals on CBS Sports Network this past spring and summer, Randy did the call on that with Dave Ryan. So really it's up to the end, whichever entity is actually running that event. It's a different way that they do it, but they both do a great job at it for being a color guy. Yeah, and it's it's been fun working with them in X-Ray, like I said, because it's just you get a little bit of a different insight from them. Well, they uh, both got stories. Yeah, and you get a little, they get a little more time to talk about it and that type of thing as well. So uh, I didn't get to see Randy at all at World Series of Bowling or passing across because we were out of there before the ESPN tapings were occurring. Uh, so... Uh, but it's always fun working with Randy as well. You know, it, it's interesting when we talk about uh, the play-by-play team uh, of, of the PBA Tour and so forth, and you talk about the analyst role. And it, it, it's funny because I, I think about locally here in Milwaukee, those of you listening around the country on uh, 105.7 FM, the fan app, don't really know what I'm talking about. You'll know one of the names, though, for sure. But if you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, for instance, right, and I do the Milwaukee Bucks pick and save post game, she'll be back on there tomorrow night after Bucks Celtics. Um, we had John McLaughlin out at our toy drive this week. And by the way, thanks to everybody that was involved in our toy drive for Children's Hospital of Wisconsin for the 11th straight year, we did better than the year previous. Uh, so thanks so much. It was, it might have been. I mean, outside of the early ones, th- this might have been like my favorite toy drive th- that we've had. It was just amazing. I- on Friday. Usually on Friday, you know, you get that last push. We always do. Thursday and Friday, we always get that last push. But everybody that was out there, and, you know, all of us have pretty much been there for the entire run. Gary's been there the entire run. Rami wasn't out there. He was back here producing, excuse me, for some of it. Um, but he's been part of the station for, for most of the run. I have never seen it where at about quarter after 4, 4.30, we literally had a line of people waiting to make donations at that table, and that line was there to like quarter to six. It was just constant people getting in line, whether it's swiping a credit card, dropping cash, dropping off bags of toys. There was a line at the table. I've never seen a line at the table at any point during any toy drive in the 11 years. It was amazing. And then, you know, the Admirals game started at 5.30, so we were on to like 5.40 or so talking with Aaron Sims. Um, and we still had people. Some guy pulled up at like 6.03 with a box of toys, pulled out of his van and dropped off a box of toys. It was incredible. So anyways, so we had John McLaughlin out, and John McLaughlin is the analyst on Bucks basketball games. We always call him Mr. Milwaukee Buck. He uh, was a great player uh, back in the day for mm-hmm. the Bucks, uh, and he has been with Jim Paschke forever. Well, we asked John McLaughlin about you know, how, how much longer do you plan on doing this because he has cut back his schedule significantly, and he said, you know, probably sooner rather than than later as far as getting out completely, uh, but that hasn't really been decided yet by himself that the Bucks are giving him totally away to do whatever he wants, which is 
good job by Peter Fagan and the Bucks ownership to respect McLaughlin and what he's done for this organization. And, of course, he runs the Mac Fund, for those of you that don't know that. Mm-hmm. So he's a busy guy. So you take him and the emotions that he is, and I'm sure you guys have watched McLaughlin over the years, mm-hmm. the, the one time where he got so mad during the game, he slammed, took off and slammed his headphones uh, on the counter and broke them. Uh, during the game when they had to come get him a new pair of headphones during the game because he broke his headphones. I think they got a new pair of headphones. I don't know if they fixed it or not, but that was like one of my favorite moments ever. So you have him. So lives, dies with the team. Then you look at the Milwaukee Brewers and Bob Uecker, mm-hmm. who has been there forever. And I've yep. always said that when Bob Uecker is done, oh, right, God, yeah. what are we going to think of? We're going to think of all the great stories he's told on the air over the years, how much fun it was. And whoever replaces him is going to be up against it, yep. no matter who it is. Now, I keep I keep lobbying for Gorman Thomas because I think that's the, the the closest one you have to to getting the funny stories mm-hmm. and being able to relate and still have great analysis of the game and all that. I don't know what they're going to do. So those guys are linked to their teams. Prior to Laravie coming to the Packers, it was who? It was Jim Irwin and Irwin Max McGee, McGee, right? Yeah. And they were the Packers. Oh, no other team could understand. No other team could understand why anybody would like them. Mm-hmm. But they were so about the Packers. They mm-hmm. lived and they died with every play of the Packers, and they called some bad teams, boys. Um, <laughs> yes, but they got to call a Super Bowl too, a Super yeah, Bowl win, did. right? Mm-hmm. So for, that was them. And then you look at the PBA tour. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. Here. Oh yeah, I know where you're going with this. Uh, now, just tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. All right. This is different, in my opinion. The National Football League, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, all of that. It's different than all of it because all of those other games have their own home announcers, mm-hmm. right? Have their own uh, national announcers, and there's sets of them that cover them because there's multiple national games a week or whatever, so there's different guys across the board. I was thinking about this. Wouldn't it be nice to have – some type of long run with the same play-by-play team like they had back in the day there for a while. I mean, you can't get into a rhythm if you're Randy Peterson, and I think that's who Tom Clark is hitching his wagon to. He likes Randy on the call. Fine. But he can't even get himself into a run here because you having to keep switch play-by-play guys seemingly every, what, two years? Something like that? I mean, it is a difficult position for Randy Peterson. Again, now look. I, I don't have an issue with Randy Peterson personally. I'm just not a fan of his style necessarily on the air, but it's fine. I, I don't I don't have an issue with it necessarily. But he is very difficult for him personally to get into a rhythm on a call when you keep switching his play-by-play guys. The best guy to talk to that about is Euchre because Euchre gets him switched all the time too. But he had a long run with Pat Hughes. He's had some longer yeah. runs with different guys. The BBA tour, they and again. To a degree, it's kind of out of their control to a, to, to a degree as well. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Dwight? Um, I get this all the time in the shop still, even recently. Everyone still keeps – what do you think of when you think of the PBA Tour? Who are the two guys that come to mind right away? Schenkel and Burton. Right. Oh, Burton Chris Schenkel, years ago. Nelson yes. Burton. Right. I mean, there was your foundation. But, I mean, even before Schenkel, wasn't it um, Billy Waylow? Billy Whaley was the color was the color guy, and there was a while for and the PBA where their play by play guys were, were changing around. Schenkel really wasn't in on stuff until the seventy, you know, the the, right. mid, the early to mid seventies. Right. 
But so. they had that long, long run, and unfortunately, Chris passed away, and right. Nelson retired from it. But so Nelson's lose still good. That way. Nelson's still good. Nelson yeah. was, he wasn't he on the calls. call last year? I think yeah. for a game or a match yeah, or he's two. Been, yeah, he's been on in the past couple of years. He's oh, been on he's a few still times. good. Boy, but people still, still only good. think of the PBA, and they think of Chris Schenkel and Nelson Burton Jr. Yeah. only, yeah. only. Oh, absolutely. And I think now it's gotten to the point where, you know, Rob Stone made people talk. Yep. Some people some people and loved him. I saw him last night on TV. It was so he's polarized. Totally blown up. Boy, yeah. is he blown up. He yeah. is making a ton of money. Yeah. Doing soccer, doing college football. That dude is just yep. raking it in. Yeah, and it started a lot of it started with what he was I doing still, with the PBA even and like, the stuff he did at ESPN back in the day. And I still last night on TV when I was watching him, I wanted to have him scream out so bad hambone at some point during the football. <laughs> just game. to say it. <laughs> right. Just to say it. But I'll tell you what, we're, Dave Lamont working with Randy Peterson has really been good this last season or so. I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed. I've learned a few yeah, things Lamont's from Dave solid. Lamont. He's Very solid. solid. Very solid. He lets you know Randy kind of do his thing. He doesn't try to to jump over the top of Randy, and yeah. and they work pretty well together. And uh, you know, I've they, had the chance they, to talk to Dave at events once in a while when when the ESPN crew gets there and we're still there with extra frame. And yep. he comes in the booth with us, and and you know he wa- he knows what's going on in these events. He's some of these guys usually just come in, like, you know, Lon McCarron, come in, I'm, I'm calling Bowen, I'm getting right. Gary Thorne, calling Bowen, getting right. out of here. Lamont, you ask him what happened earlier in that event, he'll tell you exactly what's going on because he's been yeah. paying attention to he's it. He's prepped for it. Yeah. But, yeah. but still, if you ask the bowling fan out there right now who they'd rather have, I, I have to think that Rob Stone's name would come up the most yet. He'd be my one. Yeah. Every day of the week, he'd be my one. Now, I'll say this. We all might have selective memory loss here, but there were a lot of people that couldn't stand Rob Stone. Yeah, now when he they was miss a play, him. Play guy. Now they Couldn't miss him. stand it because he was bringing up his own phrases, and that's not how bowling was in the 70s, and yeah, he's changing my sport, and he's too emotional. He gets too excited. Man, shut up. That, right. that dude, again, helped put – do you remember – again, I'm not, I, I don't want to call anybody out, but that dude got them more ESPN time outside of bowling right. on, like, SportsCenter and Big Place because of his funny, crazy calls. Calls, exactly. I mean, they were enjoying them. And I agree with you, but whoever said it, Phil or Dwight, whoever you said, that that helped get him a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because it showed a different side of his personality a little bit that, again, if you knew him personally, you knew he had. But that really kind of opened it up to the comedic, fun side that he could provide. Being a studio host, yeah. you have to talk. A lot more than you do if you're doing play-by-play or whatever else. So you have to know the guy's personality. I think that had to have helped him. I'll never forget the show that Pete Weber was on, and he had four in a row, and he turned back and looked at Rob Stone and said, hey, are you going to call it? You see Pete Weber yeah. saying it, and, and Rob Stone says, "Hambo," and then he does the crotch chop. Yeah. So he even had it timed no with Rob Stone. Oh, yeah. It's uh, just awesome. As a Boeing fan, you can't help but laugh at that. Well, and it's That's just funny stuff. It, it, it's not just the bowling fans. It's getting the people on the fringe to keep watching. You know, that's really the thing right now for the PBA. Is, people were bringing handbone signs yeah, to, right. the, to the bowling yeah. events. You know, get the, get these people around the fringe. I mean, Mookie Betts shot 300 at the World right. Series of Bowling, and yeah. within two days we had 150,000 people that watched a clip of Mookie, right. uh, yes. Mookie from Extra Frame. Right. Yep. 150,000 people. There's not that yeah. many bowling. There's 9,000 extra rarity. frame subscribers. It's it's such a, a <laughs> big event. It's a, a rare thing to see another athlete from another sport do what he did at uh, at World Series of Bowling. How legitimate is he? Oh, oh he's good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd i have no doubt that if he took more time to right. work on his game, he could he could cast checks on the PBA tour. Because I mean, you were time. Phil, you yeah, were is... you were out there obviously watching him, watching yeah. him. The rest of us seeing clips and highlights on YouTube right. or whatever. Yeah. You were actually out there. Now, 
I read quotes from him because I was following it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and he kept saying, well, the first first game on a pattern, I had to figure out what was going on. And then after that, you could see my scores. I figured it out, and I was fine. If he bowled more, would he have been able to figure it out sooner? If yeah. he worked in his game more, yes. I think it's a matter of, you know, it's like seeing a curveball. Because it's like, I mean, yeah. right. That's just it. I mean, for it's him, it seemed like, like once I found my line, I was fine. Because then he could adjust once he got the initial line. But it would seem like it was an issue finding the initial line for him. Right. It's like that any pro that goes out on the tour, if they're going out in their first year, they have to figure it out too. Yeah. And you got to remember. It's the physical talent to do it, though. When when Mookie had that 300 on, on extra frame on the Scorpion pattern, that was his only game over 200, that block. Yeah. He just happened was- to put it all together all and the people that started the people that started on that pair were a couple of high rev players and all of a sudden Tommy Jones reminded them hey these guys started here you may have to make a little yeah. bit of a move and you know without the help of Tommy Jones Mookie doesn't shoot 300 right. that game you know yep. Tommy and Mookie were crossing all week and yep. you know Tommy's you know both Evan, both working with yep. Evan and giving yep. each other you know tips and you know, helping them out and that kind of thing and Mookie's got talent there's no doubt about it yep. Mookie had time to work on his bowling game more yeah he is not a Terrell Owens yep. Sparky this guy's got yeah. good body oh positions. I could tell that based on how it's watching him throw the ball I mean at that and he has a history from when he was younger of being a really good bowler so it's not like he just figured out how to bowl now Tio, right. I don't think it was ever a bowler at any point prior to deciding to try yeah. and do it in the PBA. This kid was a legitimate bowler growing up. Yep. Yeah. So I mean one day in high school Mookie Betts shot eight twenty five bowling and then went and went and went and played for his high school at night basketball and put in twenty five points. Neither one of them being his first two sports. Mike yeah. Mike Fagan told me that one. Yep. And it was just an amazing stat where yeah, here's Mookie, twenty five points in a high school basketball game, eight twenty five in the lanes. Eight twenty five, way more impressive. Neither one of them neither one of those his primary sport. Yep. Right, but eight twenty-five so, way more yeah. impressive. So here's, I don't care what my, anybody says. Yeah. He could have scored forty, and I would have said eight twenty-five <laughs> way more impressive. Yeah. So here's my question for you guys: Is that the biggest story of World Series of Boeing so far? Well, because of the qualifying rounds, yeah, I'd say sure. that's that's that, and how much of the international field has done well. Oh yeah, well, we're going to talk about qualifying. that coming up next. It is the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here. On the fans, stay tuned. He's Phil Brillo from PBA.com. Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. We'll find out how his summer went. And Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, just doing what I do. Be back after this. <laughs> Welcome back, Castaway Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Phil Brillo, PBA.com. Chair dancing over there in the corner. Dwight Albert. Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. And we'll hear from Dwight and how things are going over the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin in just a bit because I have questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, it's been – y'all don't realize this. I mean, we we kind of, like, communicate a little bit, but really not much. And it, it for, to a certain degree, especially when the bowling events are going on, I don't really want to get into it with these guys because I'd rather, rather just bring it up on the air, whatever else comes up once we get back or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up, Phil – the international aspect of things for the World Series of Bowling. All right, so where are we at uh, from that standpoint as far as how many people were bowling in it from you know other countries last year to this year and so forth? I believe the final total was 27 other countries in the U.S. that were there. You're looking at some of these teams now, or some of these international players that are coming in from Japan with Shota Kawazoa and a couple of great players from Malaysia. Nobody knows who that guy is, by the way, besides you. Yeah. So, but that's good, though. No, I do. You do. So, okay, so yeah. two of you know. Okay. Hey, didn't he make the Japan Cup? By yeah, now? he was second in Japan. He was second oh, in the Japan Invitational last year. Yeah, he's yeah. A, right. kind of a stockier guy. Yeah, kind of a stockier guy. And he led the shark qualifying this year. 
Hey, uh, at the World Series of Bowling. So he's starting to get more and more used to the different conditions. Is he going to stay over here and try and bowl on the tour? He was His commitment was to 2017. I don't know if he's going to stay in the U.S. in 2018. He was kind of basing himself out of the L.A. area all year long, and he was driving to events with his wife and that really? kind of thing. Yeah, so he was really making a commitment uh, to, to, the, to the U.S. and the PBA Tour in 2017. Yeah. Whether that continues in 2018, uh, we'll have to find out if he's going to keep hopping both sides of the Pacific Who or else not. you got? Uh, uh, Rafiq Ismail from uh, Malaysia, a lefty. You, you watch him go, you just go, wow, it's the second coming of Ryan Simonelli. Just speed and power, Unreal. left side, and uh, he bowled really well. He beat How up, old is he? Is he younger? 21, 22. So he's younger. All these international players, a lot of them really, really young. I mean, you've got Jesper Svensson, you know, Jesper well, making a big impact. Know, uh, you know, there's some other players from Europe that are starting to make a big impact as well. Uh, Richie Teese got through the qualifying on one of the patterns, at, and you'll see him on ESPN uh, from England. And so, you know, they're kind of teasing him. I guess Stu and Dom aren't the best bowlers from England now. Mm. Oh, Lord. And <laughs> okay, so th- yeah. this is this is the thing now because now the 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 PBA gets itself into a, a newer territory here the last couple of years, and I, I think now they've got to figure out what they're going to do with it because, and I don't know the results. I didn't look at the results of World Series yeah, bowling, and I'm not going to. I'm just going to watch it on TV like I do every other year, um, other than when I used to be out in Vegas. Watch it on TV, take my notes, come in here and yeah. react to it. Now Phil obviously knows because he's. You know all of them, right? You recorded yeah. all of them, right? So he knows all the results. But I think depending on the number of young guys that are still popping up on TV, um, they have to figure out how they want to do this. And not again, I'm telling you, if you market it correctly, it might get you a little extra pop. I mean, you can call them the young guns. You can call them whatever you want to call them. But something to where, you know, maybe you have a commercial or two with the stars of tomorrow or whatever else, right? Have a have a, a shots of Roth and Holman, the stars of yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. The stars of present, and then I don't even know what Rash did. Did Rash do anything? Is he going to be on any of these TV shows? I he's not going to be on any of the shows. He was kind of just above, a little above average during the whole run. Yeah. Okay. So forget him. Belmo. <laughs> Belmo's. You'll see a lot of Belmo. Okay. So you know, Jason and that Belmont. Was be my right. point. So Jason Belmonte. Throw a couple of the guys that are going to be on TV shows, right? The stars of today. And then throw up a couple of these young guns that you'll see too, the stars of tomorrow, the NBA's future, brighter, something like that. Yeah. And just kind of put all of them together. Names you'll need to know, you know, in the future, something like that. Come up with something to where you can introduce these young guys to the fans, maybe before they see them on TV to a certain degree. Because let's be honest about this core bowling fans, mm-hmm. they're going to go on pba.com and see who's in the field. And if they don't recognize a bunch of names, more than likely, they're not going to turn it on, and if they do, mm, I disagree. Then that. they will. I I, I think I that's with that. you disagree. I okay, totally disagree. I, I think at some point, doesn't the fan want to see someone new or a different name in there? Well, come on, man. I Otherwise, mean, it's you just got boring, you just got done saying about Burton and in which I'm call it that whole time. Yeah, but what I hear in the shop is it's the same five guys. That's what it was. Correct. You know, that's what I hear in the shop. So are those customers correct? Do they want to see different names and new people? I think that the the more variety, the better. You, you know, back in the day, it was you'd see Earl Anthony and Mark Roth five or All six times time. during the year. Right. But you'd see Cole other guys in there as well. Who, right. who would beat them? Who would knock them off? The name John O'Drabinick probably to bowling fans of this day is still large yeah. because of that, what he went through when he beat Roth and Holman and Earl on the same show right. back in the day at the Quaker Stake. Uh 
the, they want to see the the guys they know, but they want to see some some new people as well. Right. I mean, Anthony Simonson when he busted out on the scene, yep. all of a sudden, hey, here's this 19 year old kid that just won the USBC Masters. And you know, super nice kid out. too. Yeah, and it's yeah. just you know you, you got to get the names to replace the older players as as they're making their way out. Yeah. And it's kind of happening more now than it did in the past. I mean, if you ask a, a lot of guys, you know. Why, how, how Parker Bone and Norm Duke and Pete Weber are still on the tour in their 50s. Right. That never happened in right. the 70s and yeah. 80s and 90s. You right. Guys guys were in their 30s and they were done because right. they either blew out their wrists or they were just mentally fried yep. and just done. So it wasn't because of competition. It was because they were physically just spent. Physically spent, and you had, it was a different release with the equipment. Obviously, right. the equipment has lengthened a lot of these guys' careers. Now yeah. explain that. Oh, you're the different. You don't need to grip it and rip it. Back in the day, exactly. it was grip it and rip it. Feel the burn in your fingers when you exactly. let go of the ball. All these guys are tearing apart the wrists and you know, the same ligaments and all that stuff. Yeah. You don't need that nowadays. The softer you are with coming out of the ball, exactly, the better it is to impart rotation of the ball. Back in the '70s, Sparky, they had these what they called stretched fingertip spans, and you'd always see Mark Rock kind of dig his hand yep. into. My the... dad had it on his ball. Yeah, and, and but that was the era back then. Exactly what Phil said about gripping and ripping, and these guys' hands were just mincemeat. And today, it's just more let it go or be more free. Well, the ball or... moves the ball... better, though, right? I mean, oh, because of technology, technology, you don't have to work as hard because the ball is designed to move. The back then, those balls weren't designed to move as much. They were our plastic exactly. balls of today, right? Pretty Correct. much, and they were urethane, obviously. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was. Seventies well, was plastic. Oh, urethane, plastic, right? Yeah, it didn't yeah. come but, until the early eighties. Yeah, but even urethane, these guys need to trick their releases a little bit. Oh yeah, because, because there's no weight blocking you know, the ball. Yeah, and, and on a lot of those urethanes. Well, then, yeah. based on that, then, so are we saying then the game is easier today than it was? Physically, it's easier on the body. It's physically easier on the body. I think it's tougher nowadays because the way that these bowling balls change the oil patterns exactly. so much. It's more of a mental chess game. The but, mental game is exactly. really weird. Were there as oh, many oil patterns to deal with back then as there is today? It was a spray gun back in the day on the PBA tour. That's what I thought. Or yeah. if so, you had a modern, it was a basic lane machine. Exactly. So you didn't have like 10 different patterns you had to try and no. figure out how to break down and, and play against. Well, you played the track. A lot of times it was that was it. It was especially in the, in the 60s and 70s with, yeah. with the softer. Has that know, ever come up with Holman as far as? You know how he thinks he might have done on, on the tour today with the modern technology, but all the different lane conditions, everything goes along with it. Seeing how all these other kids are bowling and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, Holman loves himself, so I'm sure he said he'd do great. <laughs> but I, I just wonder what his reaction would be. Well, no, because when the reactive version bowling balls came out in '92, '93, that's mm-hmm. when he was kind of on the decline in his career. And he said he said basically that he didn't learn how to use the new equipment. Right. He just yep. fought. He, he just he refused it. And yep. yeah, he won one title in '96, and he goes, "I got lucky for a week." Remember, <laughs> remember lucky for a week. Remember the yeah. show in '92, '93. Who did he lose to? He lost to Mark McDowell throwing the Excalibur, and Holman was using a black Udot on TV, and yeah. and lost to McDowell because McDowell had such incredible ball reaction. Right. Take nothing away from Mark McDowell's I physical saw that one. game, right? Yeah. But it, it was that next Monday we had 40 calls at the shop. I want what what he had. I want that same ball. You don't get that anymore, I bet. No. No. But that was when resin changed what we know. Right. For what we know for equipment-wise. Correct. Well, also, back then, you had you only had six or seven different ball releases out of a company in a year, like Columbia right. or Storm. You had six or seven tops. Now it's every 90 now days. It's six or seven every 90 days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Correct. That's but what I, I think 
that doesn't help the ball yeah. sales sometimes because it's not, you know, with NASCAR was always oh, went on Sunday, right. buy, you know, sell right, on Monday. Exactly. But I got a great story for you is um, before Roth had his stroke, he was at a, uh, one of our trade shows we go to in Chicago at Vernon Hills. Mm -hmm. And resin is out by then. So this had to be late 90s, early 2000s. Well, we had the same question. If Roth had resin because of Roth's turn in game, what he would right. be like with resin. And, well, I got a chance with my own eyes to see Mark Roth throw, even though Mark's at the end of his career at that point already before the stroke, throw a resin bowling ball, and I had to pick my jaw off the floor. <laughs> if this guy had resin, he would have been untouchable on really? the tour. Sweet. Oh, my God. And now it's funny, rolling it back, we had an event this past June on the PBA Tour, and if you saw it all on Extra Frame, it was the Billy Hardwick Memorial. And you were limited to polyester, bowling balls, pancake weight blocks. So basically anything that was styled like an old Columbia yellow dot or something mm -hmm. of that nature. You used to throw a yellow dot. And, uh, of course, who comes out on top? 24-year-old kid just out of college for his first PBA title. Mm -hmm. You know, when these when these bowlers are oh. that good, they can throw anything on anything. Yep. Let's be honest. Well, Jeff Carter. When, you know, Jeff Carter wins the plastic ball challenge mm -hmm. against Pete Weber. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the big thing was Carter versus Weber. Yeah. Right. You know, match. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, so, that's good stuff. Do you miss yeah. those shows? Do you miss those shows, Phil? Plastic ball challenge shows? It's neat. It's neat when the Teen Masters does it. We cover that on Extra Frame as well. That's always an interesting tournament. Is with that good players. for PBA, though? That one week where they did the plastic ball challenge? I think it, we had a lot of viewers that week on Extra Frame. I think it's just something where it's kind of a throwback. You know, I, you're never going to see the guys in the PBA on a PGA tour throwing, you know, exactly. or hitting persimmon woods or anything like right. that. But it's kind of neat to. I bet you they could to roll it back and watch a guy like Chris Barnes go. You know, hey, I got to change. You know, I got to change my I hand position, you, grip it and rip it, and all this I other stuff. I bet again. you money that if they that would be a ton of money, but if they spend a boatload of money to go out there with old clubs, the whole deal with old technology and all that stuff and made special balls with how they used to be made and really went, I bet you it would be the highest TV-rated PGA tournament that they've probably had in 10 years. Because Tiger hasn't been good in that long. So, I mean, it, it, at least for sure, because everybody thinks, a lot of people think, that these guys wouldn't be nearly this good if they played back in the area with Jack and Chi-Chi and Lee Trevino and all that. That is what the common perception is, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the ball, the, 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 uh, the clubs, and everything else. They can't do, like you were saying, what the PBA can do. So these young kids can show you, yeah, I'd be just as good back then too yep. if you gave me their equipment because I'm doing it right now with their equipment. But on the other side of the PGA Tour, they can't do it. They can't. It'd be too expensive. One thing that you're not bringing up, though, from, like say, the 60s and 70s to modern era is, and again, our friend Tiger Woods changed it all as my physical therapist, and I always have this talk, is Tiger was the one that changed how the golf athlete Trains. It trains today, correct. Right. He brought his own trainers, his own crew, his his own weight guy, right. his old, you know, and obviously in his prime, Tiger was built like a Mack truck. But it's the training today of, and, and, and then the other golf pros said, well, if he's doing it, I have to. Is there better training on the PBA tour? Try try getting into a hotel exercise room when uh, the PBA tour is in town at a hotel because those guys, have, a lot of them are in those exercise rooms getting their workouts you know I, I you know josh blanchard i see in there all the time uh you get guys like ron moore on the senior tour the guys 
you know, 61 Even years old. Even the older old. guys. Yeah, I mean, Ron Moore, he does 500 nice push-ups guy. and 500 sit-ups a day, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why he's going to the PBA Hall of Fame in 2018. I'm a little. Kept himself, yeah, I'm a little super fit All as the well. stories of him. Yeah, you don't you don't see, you know, you know, the old stereotype from the movie Kingpin where, right. hey, we've got the greatest athletes and there's guys eating pizza. You don't get that on the, on the PBA tour. You can't because it's, you know, even though it's easier on your, you know, the, the release and everything is a little easier on your wrist and everything, you're still covering the same amount of walking back and forth and carrying the bowling ball and all the other stuff. When you're doing that for 60 games of qualifying in the World Championship and then all the other uh, match play rounds that were involved at the World Series this year, uh, if you're not in shape, you're going to mentally fall apart and you're going to get left behind. That's another good one to point out to these people that say, oh, uh, anybody can do it. Uh, no, not and anybody can do what these guys are doing. And they, oh. Not anybody can do it at the level in which they're doing it right. either. And go back to Mookie Betis. What is Mookie Betis? Mookie Betis, yeah. Betis. Betis. Right. Baseball player, mm-hmm. training, physical condition. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no question about that. But again, you saw T.O. tried it, couldn't make it work. He, though, trained in this and had a skill in this. Obviously, he shot 825, did you say, in high school? Yeah. I mean, if he shoots that well in high school, you know, sometimes it's like it's like riding a bike. Yeah. It comes back to you eventually. Right. And obviously, I'm sure he, he got back in the groove a little bit, getting ready to come out here the last time. And now he comes out here this time. And you watch. If he comes back out here next next year, he'll be even better next year. Yeah, Mark my words. At a high level, it is an athletic position. Athletic move at the finish. You have oh, to, I agree. You have to have the strength in the yep. right areas. I, I mean, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, how many other sports do you actually make a walking delivery of an object? There's not many. You don't do it in golf. You don't do it in baseball. I mean, football, if you're scrambling in the pocket and you're a quarterback. You know, other than that, you know, quarterbacks are taught to plant their feet and throw the ball. Right. So it's not walking. It's not running throw the ball. All right, coming up next here on the Castellane Spare Time Bowling Show, it's a PBA 60th anniversary, and they've got a whole bunch of stuff planned for this upcoming season. We'll talk about that next here on The Fan. Um, no, 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 no. That's the wrong. That's wrong. Here, hold on. Woo! No, that's tomorrow. And they didn't lose to the Buccaneers as of yet. I mean, unless our voice guy knows something. Do we know if our voice guy knows something that we don't know? The other room has the crystal ball. Let me, let me, yeah. What is going on here? Let me make that call back out to the Silver Legacy in Reno. Tell you right now, there. if the Packers lose this game, people listening to the show are going to be like, all right, somebody's got Fezzo about the NFL. What is happening? Uh, I need mean the lottery league. numbers for next week's yeah. Powerball drawing. Right. What in the world is going uh, on there? Yeah. Woo! Okay, then. All right, let's move on. Uh, okay, so the 60th uh, anniversary <laughs> celebration for the PBA, and the PBA uh, plans on doing a bunch of different stuff, obviously. The P- PBA 60th anniversary classic tournament, a 60th anniversary celebration dinner. The highlights of the 2018 season will be the unveiling of the 60 most memorable moments in PBA history as part of the PBA's ESPN television schedule beginning on February 4th, including on May 13th. Now, the list is formidable including such moments as the inaugural meeting when the PBA was born. I don't know that story. Do you? 1958, Syracuse, New York. A bunch of guys met in a basement <laughs> of a bowling alley, and 20-some guys signed up to be charter members of the PBA. Had really? Eddie Elias of them, had to be there, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. There's only a couple of them still around, one of them uh, being Carmen Salvino. Really? He was one of the original. He was one of the original charter members. I did not Carmen. know that. Yep. Oh, we gotta get well, him back I, I was going to say, I have to ask him about that yeah, story, that, right? That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like that story. He's got to have some funny stuff about that oh, meeting. I'm sure he does. Oh, that's got to be good. Yeah, we got to try and get him on. All right. Uh, PBA's first national telecast. 
All right, Phil. I'm sure he I knows everything, six, so I'm just going to go to Phil. I think it was 1961, and I think a left-hander, Roy Lone, won that event. How I could be wrong on that know one. that? Hey, well, he works for the PBA. He's got to know it. <laughs> I'm a sponge uh, of useless knowledge, Dwight. Yes. All right. Don Johnson's historic 299 oh, yeah. in the Tournament of Champions. And Billy, wait, we'll call. On that. Jack Biandalolos. I don't even know how to say that name. That's long. First yeah. nationally televised 300. 300. And that was 50 years ago now for that. 50 already? For yeah. Biandalolos 300, yeah. That was an interesting story, too, because he was so far behind on owing people sponsors that he had on tour money that if he didn't shoot that 300 and get the money for it, he was going to be done. done. Yeah. yeah so. Wow. Lots of pressure shot then. If you yeah. want to be a Boeing fan though, and, and watch a great clip is it has to be Johnson's 299 game. And, and the call on that, it, I mean, just gives you chills. Well, right? and, the, and the neat part about that tying it into the 60th anniversary celebration this year is that we're back to Riviera lanes in Akron, Ohio for the PBA tournament of champions. We haven't been there since the last Firestone, and I believe it was 90, 97, 98. Been quite a while since we've been to Akron, so looking forward to seeing that yeah. historic bowling center as well. Have they done anything to it since then? I'm sure it's an AMF-owned center now, so I'm sure there's uh, been some changes. But I guess a lot of the trophies and a lot of the memorabilia still there. are still there from mm. the days of the of the Firestone Tournament of Champions. Yeah, and it, wasn't that the show that always ended the year for the PBA? On ABC, on yeah. ABC? That was always yeah. the, the final, usually the final one on ABC. All right, next uh, moment, Mark Roth's unmatched season when he won eight PBA Tour titles. Will it ever be done again? Oh, sure. I think records are made to be broken. That's a lot. There were Yeah, and that was out of 30-some 30, 30 events. You don't have year. as many. It's getting closer. I mean, we had you know eight events in the Extra Frame I could Tour. See a, and... Again, I could see uh, Belmo or, or um, another two-hander. But, guys, look, Swenson, if we all say, if we all say get on a roll. that these young guns are as talented as we think they are, I think that's going to be a tough deal. If they're all as good as we think, and you have a new group coming that are going to be battling each other every week, I think it's going to be tough to do. Was Roth dominant in his era? Yes, absolutely. But I, I don't know. It's it's pretty tough, and you know the formats nowadays. It's a lot of those formats for these extra frame events. It's it's basically twenty twenty two games to get to a title. It's a little shorter format. So we can get hot for a few more games. We're back in the day with Roth. It was forty two games, and it was it was tougher to get by a guy that was was firing it up all year long. A lot of times, though, back in the tour in the 70s, though, these guys were using one or two bowling balls a year. The shot was pretty similar going from tournament to tournament. I mean, you asked Marshall Holman, we asked him about bowling balls, and he goes, well, I used four in a year. Yeah. He goes, I carried four around in my trunk for two years. That's all I used on tour. Nowadays, these guys go through four in a squad. And bowling fans knew, again, being a kid, and I remember, you know, this like yesterday, um, you want to talk about standing room only at Bolero when Mark Roth was on a pair of lanes? As a kid, I had to crawl through guys' legs to take a glimpse at Mark Roth because it was just packed, packed. Yeah. with people. You don't get that as much anymore. No, no, uh, because he was such an oddity for his era. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next one, Earl Anthony breaking the million-dollar barrier in career yeah. earnings. Obviously, that's well deserved. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, Walter Ray Williams Jr. breaking Earl Anthony's career titles record, and I looked this up quick uh, for that one. Uh, you're talking about right now, Walter Ray Williams Jr. 47 titles. Earl Anthony, 43 titles. Still bowling, Norm Duke, 38 titles. Yep. Pete Weber, 37. Parker Bone the third, 35. And then there is Mark Roth at 34. So Duke, Weber, and Bone still bowling. None of them will catch Walter Ray at 47, I don't think. No. No. There's no way. Not They're all in their, you know, 53, 54 years old. It's, it's yep. not going to happen. You what? might see one of them win a title. Yep. 
down then, the road. I some mean, of these other guys that are still on tour. Chris yeah. Barnes, 18, not going to happen. No. Tommy Jones, 18, not no. going to happen. Uh, let's see. Salvino's at 17. Couch is coaching now. Belmonte, 15, not yeah. going to happen. Too old. Yeah. Uh, I, to, I don't know if that record's going to be touched. No. That's I don't know lot. about that one, but – yeah. I, I the, one of the greatest clips I ever saw was Walter Williams pitching horseshoes. Oh yeah, he's really good. At well, it. not only that, he has exactly the same form pitching horseshoes that he does throwing a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. So it's again that's muscle memory, repetitive movement. Yep. that made him so good. What about Kelly Kulig becoming the first and only woman to win a yeah. PBA Tour title? Boys, does it happen again in the next ten years? Well, Liz Johnson's on a TV show. That's good. She's got a shot. She's on the chameleon. She's really good. But are there the young and upcoming women that are on oh, maybe the women's tour that have a chance I, I really to be a, a factor? There's I, n- not a lot of them that, that cross over. There were, there were four at the World Series of Bowling this year. That were attempting it. Yeah. I think some of their, their games are excellent, though. Some of these girls that are coming out of college and how well they've been coached, Del Warren, I mean, the, the group that they do down at Kegel, I, I think these, these college girls are so well coached, but it's such it's a, a different tough, world tough to go this. against the men. It's just, just a different world with the rev rates and the oil depletion and, and, again, and changing Annika lines. Annika storing some story with golf and trying to go against the boys in golf, you know, and Annika in her prime. You know, yeah. it's that same you can same scenario. Yeah, that's a tough deal. Uh, next one, Pete Weber winning the U.S. Open uh, for Who do you the think fifth you are? time, I am. yeah, that, and that will always go down <laughs> in that area. Uh, and then, how would you rank these and more than 100 additional moments over a span of 60 years? That's the task of many of the bowling sports' most experienced observers have been asked to answer, and fans will be invited to make their selections as well. That's going to be cool because mm-hmm. obviously everybody will get to debate. Which belongs where? All right, coming up next, uh, obviously we will have our first ESPN telecast uh, coming up next weekend uh, so we can talk more about the World Series of Bowling next weekend and more about what happened last summer or this last summer. But coming up next, I want to touch a little bit on high school bowling with Phil Brylo because uh, he texted me, what was it, this week, right? Last Sunday, uh, yeah. About uh, one specific high school bowling team that he thinks uh, is in line to win this whole thing uh, this year. We'll talk about that coming up next. Scott Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. <laughs> Welcome back, Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Go check out Phil Anko's place, Castle Lane's in racing. Got that Northwoods feel. Kind of feels like you are in an, I don't know, log cabin, maybe mm-hmm, up north yeah. somewhere. It's just done a great job with it. And of course, $5 open bowling on Friday nights. Castle Lane's in racing, Highway 31. Again, thanks to him for being a sponsor of this show uh, for another season uh, and a sponsor of the big show now, too. Uh, okay, so Dwight, before uh, we got to break, I-, I told you I want, or Coming out of the last break, I said I wanted to talk to you about uh, your pro shop, and I will. But first, Phil, uh, high school bowling, uh, tell me all about Sun Prairie, who you like, mm-hmm. like, like, like. Uh, we had our kickoff classic last weekend at Motion Plus Lanes for the high school boys. Uh, Sun Prairie just dominated the qualifying. They came out of the gates 12.54 for a five-man team game. Oh. So just averaging 250 a guy. No big deal. No big deal. Followed up with 11 and change, followed up with some Baker games. They were a number one seed for – TV show that'll be on Spectrum Sports in a couple of weeks, and uh, they are going to be the team to beat in high school on the boys' side this year. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Oak mm-hmm. Creek beat them in the state finals last year, but that's only a two-game total pin Baker match. Team catches a break, other team doesn't. 
But yeah, didn't they go to Nashville and went in in Nashville? They had this, yeah, they had the uh, tournament uh, Mike Nitre ran down in the Nashville area called the National High School Championships. Yep. It, it wasn't Which all the top teams, teams from the states. Did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all the top teams from all 50 U.S. states. I know states. Oak Creek and was down there. Yeah, but uh, Andrew Olson won the singles from Sun Prairie, and then Sun Prairie, I believe, won the team championship yeah, I, as well. I'm hearing it in the shop about these guys. They're the real deal. Like, I'd put them up against some of the local college teams. And like that good? Like that good. Really? Yeah. So there's yeah. like no weak link on this team. They're just all no. stacked. No, that's they're the team to beat in the state of Wisconsin. I would love to watch the them side. throw. I'd love to watch them throw. I don't think anybody gets within 100 pins of them at the state tournament. Any it's two-handed bowlers amongst them? Yeah, Andrew Olson's two-handed on okay. that team, and he throws it really well, and he's got Belmo speed and rev rate. Really? Being two-handed, yeah. He's, they're solid. They make their spares. They don't leave too many open frames on the board. And uh, I believe it's. I mean, this is gonna be the last year you're gonna be able to do it because I think four of the five starters are seniors. So this is they got they went along. They want to win state yeah. then after and losing it last year. After losing it last year, yep, in a tough match to Oak Creek. So they're on a mission. Yes, they are. Well, good luck. What is oh, did Oak Creek return everybody this year? Or no, did they... Oak Creek lost a bunch of players. That's... Actually, they have to have a couple of young ladies on their team this year because they didn't have enough yes. uh, ladies. Yeah, for, we had... uh, for a girls team at Oak Creek. Yeah, we had Caitlin so... in studio last year. I know she's on... so she's on the boys team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. yeah. And Oak Creek was our uh, Oak Creek's the number two seed behind Sun Prairie on our uh, TV Spectrum show, sports show in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's awesome. So make sure to look for that. I'm gonna. Well, I don't have Spectrum Sports. I have Direct TV. So I'll, I'll get look, you a DVD. I can record it here at the studio. <laughs> hey, uh, Dwight, I just want to ask you one thing. How does bowling maintain popularity in the summer? Go ahead. Oh God, I, has it ever? We've got two minutes and twenty seconds. <laughs> chop chop. It, it's our off season, so it'd be like golf in the winter. I mean, I, I, no, but you can't golf in the winter. I can bowl I, I know, year but round. I'm just, I don't know. That's a pretty loaded question. Because if right, that's why I waited to the end for you. Well, uh, thanks for the, throwing it for me right the, at two minutes to go. <laughs> the 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 bowling centers have all went to volleyball uh, for the summer, and, and that's how they've decided that they're going to make their money. I mean, literally, like every bowling center right. has a volleyball yeah. court, and if you don't, you're dead. My answer is we're a seasonal sport. You know, I mean, no, but you're not. It's you can bowl year round. It'd be like yeah. saying, "I'll give you an example." It's is it a form of entertainment? Bowling? Uh, yes, it's a form of entertainment, right? Is it a family type deal? Yes, it's a family type deal. Dave oh. and Buster's that's a family type entertainment you, deal or whatever yeah. else. They're they're well, going year round. Yeah, we offer instruction class during yes. the summer. We have adult junior leagues over the summer for parents and the kids to bowl Dude, together. I don't know if they still have them back when I was bowling. They used to have the Vegas summer leagues. You oh, yeah. win a trip to Vegas or oh. whatever if you bowl uh, during the summer. All kinds of different things. We need a proprietor to have an idea where how do we get people in during the summer? That's the biggest thing is how do we keep the draw? You know, right. I mean, when because we the first... thought process is well, it's so nice outside, nobody wants to be inside. That that's the thought process of why it doesn't work, right? Am yeah. I wrong about that? Well, it's the other thing too is it's a long winter season. I mean, it's thirty three weeks. It's a long. So people season. like to see that break, right? But some bowlers like to go year round too. So that's another question. Thanks for throwing me that question right before we go off the well, air. Yeah, until next week to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. uh, Phil, thanks so much. What's coming up on PBA.com? Uh, a couple of weeks off on uh, Extra Frame, but look for features on the PBA YouTube channel uh, about all the shows that are coming up. Uh, there'll be some pretty nice little fe- uh, featurettes about the bowlers making the shows. And Sweet. Look forward to that. So we'll talk more about the World Series of Bowling coming up next week. Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Dwight, are you busy? Oh, definitely. Great year this year for ball releases. So the bowlers are stepping up in. And really liking what they're seeing and coming in and buying from us. People email me all the time how to get a hold of Dwight. I just keep 
pushing them yeah, over Yeah, one guy there. just came in and mentioned yep, you. Yep, yep. So thank you. It's been happening. All right, that'll do it. Castle Lane's Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go Pack Go.